So it's been brought to my attention that the University of Pennsylvania women's swim team were considering a boycott at their January 8th swim meet. That would be later this week. Their January 8th swim meet in protest of the transgender individual who is known as Leah Thomas swimming against them. Now, you all remember the story of Leah Thomas. Leah Thomas was born a biological male named Will Thomas, competed for three years at the University of Pennsylvania as a man, decent swimmer, not Olympic level, but pretty good, decided to transition genders, now identifies as a female and competes with the women and is absolutely obliterating the women in the women's competition. Like, we're talking about obliterating like 38 seconds, winning by 38 seconds in the mile, which we all know is just crazy. I mean, I, I swam in high school, I was a competitive swimmer, and we're talking the difference between a tenth, not even a tenth of a second, a hundredth of a second, a couple hundredths of a second is what normally separates first and second and third in at this level of swimming. So 38 seconds is called lapping someone. It means that you finish before they've even turned, done a flip turn for their last lap. Th this is what's happening. So these, these other women, the biological women on the University of Pennsylvania swim team think that it's unfair that Leah Thomas, formerly known as Will Thomas, is competing against them. They've spoken anonymously to Fox News. They've spoken anonymous, anonymously to OutKick. They don't think it's fair. They don't want Leah Thomas to be competing against them. The parents of these swimmers have said the same thing. They've spoken out and said that they their daughters don't think it's fair. But here's the thing. Reportedly, these young women on this swim team have decided not to boycott because they're afraid of being called transphobic. They're afraid of the school administration. They're afraid of the NCAA. They're afraid of their coach. They're afraid of the world, really, the country, because we all have our eyes on this story, calling them transphobic. And they're worried that any kind of boycott behavior, whether it would be a, you know, a mass false start where the starting buzzer goes off and they stand up instead of diving into the pool, whether it's refusing to race against Leah Thomas, whether it's not showing up at the meet at all, they're afraid that that behavior would cause their coach to sit them out of the conference championship. So they're worried about losing opportunities, basically. And I have a couple things I want to say about this. First of all, just in a nutshell, what they're talking about is they're worried about being bullied. They're worried about how their peers and those who are in positions of power over them will bully them if they speak out in defense of themselves. Because what they're doing, obviously, is not transphobic. It's not transphobic to say, wait, listen, it's unfair, it's unjust for a biological male to compete in a women's competition. It's fundamentally unfair to biological women. That is not transphobic. That is not hateful. That is not intolerant. That's nothing. They have been nothing reportedly but kind to Leah Thomas as an individual, as they should. They should treat this person as a child of God, which he is. But that is not the same thing. Treating someone as a child of God and respecting their value and their dignity as a person made in God's image is not the same as saying it's okay for a biological man to obliterate women. So they're worried about losing opportunities. And the reason that they're worried is because they're worried about being bullied. That's the first thing. So today, I, I just have a short message for these young women. Because as I've shared before, I grew up in the swimming pool. I swam competitively from the time I was nine years old through high school. In between swim practice in the morning and swim meets in the evening, I spent the afternoons at the community pool playing. I mean, I was as much of a fish as you can possibly be, and I still love it. I still love the pool. I hope to pass down this sport to my daughter, and it's really heartbreaking to me to see this sport on the cusp on the verge of being completely destroyed because the woke left wants to destroy objective reality and tell us that it's okay that a biological man swims. That in fact, a biological man isn't really a biological man if he thinks that he's a woman. It's He is what he identifies, he is a woman. No, this, this is heartbreaking to me. And so I, I wanna encourage these young women at the University of Pennsylvania on the swim team. And I, I, I wanna tell you directly, very few people in our country are privileged to be in the opportunity that you're in. Now you might, 
you might listen to me say that and say, what are you talking about? This is the worst situation that I've ever been in in my life. I've worked my whole life to get a college scholarship at a really elite academic university to compete at a collegiate level. And now it's being ruined by somebody who identifies as a woman. And I can't speak out about this because I'm worried that I'll be benched. So you might be thinking, I am in a horrible situation. What on earth are you talking about? And let me tell you, there are very few people in this world who have the opportunity as an individual to make a difference in our country. In fact, it's something we all dream of, right? We all dream of being in a situation where just our behavior, our word or our action or our courage or our helping someone else makes a tangible difference that you can connect. Because e even doing what I do, for example, I talk to people every day about political and cultural issues, things that matter, morality, laws, our nation. But sometimes it can be hard to quantify what difference you are making. Because how do you count hearts and minds changed? How, how, how do you draw a direct correlation from what you're saying to whether that impacts legislation, to whether that's changing the culture, to whether that's saving someone's life, life to whether that's preserving somebody's liberty? It's not always easy to draw the correlation, and that's what we all crave. We all crave to know the exact consequences of our behavior. And you're in a unique position where you actually can do this. Few people have the privilege of being in a situation of having this opportunity where they're called to make a difference and that difference will be immediate, will be tangible, and will be for the good. This is why I say the word called rather than just, oh, take this opportunity. This is a calling. This is, this is there, was, there was someone in my life who faced a, who faced this same sort of threat from the culture, a threat of cultural bullying. And the encouragement that I gave to this person was the same thing. You're called for this moment. This is a moment that few people get that everybody craves, and so do it. And I understand your hesitation. Your hesitation is, well, am I going to be called transphobic? And I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna lie to you here. I'm sure you will be called transphobic. I'm sure you will get a barrage, actually, of insults from the radical left, from your teammates, maybe, to your coaches, to the administrators at your school, maybe even the NCAA, liberal media outlets, and blue check marks on Twitter. Yeah, in fact, you can expect a pile-on. You can expect this insult. But here's what I would say. What I do for a living, I talk about politics, and I get a lot of hate. I get a lot of opposition. I get a lot of pile-ons for things that I say. And one of the ways that I handle this is when I receive an insult, is to say, we'll just use this one concretely, transphobic, because I'm called transphobic every time I talk about a topic like this. I say, well, am I transphobic? What does transphobic mean? Because when you parse this accusation, it somehow loses its emotional sting. So what does transphobic mean? Transphobic itself means a fear, an irrational fear of people who are transgender. Well, you don't have an irrational fear of people who are transgender. It sounds to me like you've treated your teammate with dignity and respect. So you don't have an irrational fear. Now, the left has hijacked this definition away from an irrational fear of someone who's transgender to mean that you don't accept that person as a transgender person, and that's not true either. Again, you've treated this person with dignity and respect, but to treat someone with dignity or respect, or even to afford them equality under the law, which Leah Thomas deserves and has, enjoys, does not mean that you have to destroy objective reality. It doesn't mean that you have to throw science to the wind. It doesn't mean that you have to throw morality to the wind. So first you define what the insult is. What is transphobic? What do they mean when they are accusing me of being transphobic? And then you ask yourself, am I transphobic? Am I hateful? Am I bigoted? Am I exclusionary? Am I intolerant? 
And the answer, of course, is no. And so once you sit down in the quiet of your own room or maybe with your own family and ask yourself that away from the fray, you realize that you can take some of the teeth, you can take the needles out of this insult, and you can actually face down those who are trying to bully you because that's what's happening. You are being bullied. They are threatening you as a bully threatens with retaliation if you stand up for yourself. And so ask yourself, are you transphobic? And if the answer is no, then it's okay. Let them say what they want. Sticks and stones may hurt your bones, but these words should not hurt you. The third thing to ask yourself is, when you're treating Leah Thomas with dignity and respect, the fundamental premise of the left's narrative about transgenders is this idea that we have to include people and we have to be tolerant of their lifestyle, but that actually is not the entirety of their narrative because those two things are fine. I have no problem with Leah Thomas living his life as Leah Thomas, if that's what he wants to do, I don't care. But the idea that it's compassionate to indulge somebody's mental illness, to indulge the delusions that a biological man can simply transition to a woman because he identifies as a woman, he feels like a woman and has taken hormones, anti-testosterone hormones or pro pro-estrogen hormones, that's simply not true. So is it compassionate to indulge somebody's delusion? Medically, the answer is no. Medically, the answer is no. This is not curative. Transitioning genders is not curative of the mental illness of gender dysphoria. And when I say mental illness, I'm not insulting Leah Thomas, I'm not insulting anybody with gender dysphoria, I'm simply identifying the medical term for what this individual suffers. This as defined by the medical community. So it's not compassionate to facilitate a transgender transition in the first place. That's not what love is. That's not what inclusion and tolerance mean. Inclusion and tolerance mean you respect the right of someone to make the choices, but in order to be compassionate or loving, it doesn't mean indulging. Sometimes it means saying, no, what you're feeling doesn't match with reality, and therefore what you're doing is unfair and harms other people. That's what you're doing here. And that's, I think, the fundamental of this, right? The fundamental of what you're facing is, is what Leah Thomas is doing, and your school is tolerating, and your coach is encouraging, and culture is pushing on you, is this fair to you? Is it fair to you to get up on those blocks next to Leah Thomas and race a race when you know that Leah Thomas was born a biological male and that male and female are distinct genders and that male bodies are different than female bodies? Is that fair to you? And the answer to this is no, of course it's not fair to you. It's grossly unfair to you. You've worked so hard to get where you are and now this is what you're facing. And it's not, by the way, just about you. I mentioned before that I hope my daughter, who's just a toddler, just a baby, I hope my daughter is a swimmer someday. I'm not going to push her into it because I don't want to be one of those swim parents that we all we all know who I'm talking about. But I hope she does because it made such an impact on my life. And so your behavior today, the women's swim team at the University of Pennsylvania, your impact today impacts my daughter and the next generation of little swimmers, little female swimmers who might not have swimming in their life the way that you do, the way that I did, if you don't stand up for reality right now. So it's not just unfair to you, it's unfair it's unfair to the entire sport of swimming. What will happen to our sport? What will happen to the sport of swimming? What will happen to every achievement by every woman in every industry and in every competition and every career if we allow biological men to compete directly against us as identifying as women? I, the left will accuse me here of engaging in a slippery slope fallacy, but it's not a slippery slope to say there's no limiting principle on this. Where does this end? Because we've already seen just in the last year, the first female four-star admiral of what the Public Health Service Corps is a biological male. The greatest female Jeopardy champion in the history of Jeopardy is a biological male who identifies as a female. 
And now one of the most dominant female college swimmers of all time, who's probably going to break even more records, is a biological male, born a biological male, just identifies as a woman. And so I encourage you, I encourage you, this is your chance. You face this opportunity, you have the privilege of being in this opportunity, as difficult as it may feel, the privilege of knowing that your behavior, your actions can make a difference in our culture, make a difference in our nation, and stand up, not just for yourself, not just for your team, but for women everywhere, and especially little girls who can't speak up for themselves yet. So do it. You'll be surprised, by the way. when You will face a pylon, as I say. I'm not going to try to pretend that that won't happen. But you will also get the most amazing outpouring of support from people that are so unexpected to you. You will see women across the country say thank you for doing this. You can change our nation for the better if you stage this boycott and say stop. This is unfair. So I encourage you to do it. Boycott. Boycott the next meet. Do it for women everywhere. I'm Liz Wheeler. This is The Liz Wheeler Show. There's a problem with this transgender ideology, too, that surfaced not just with the University of Pennsylvania women's swim team, but in comedy as well, in stand-up comedy. And you probably saw the headlines this week about Patton Oswalt, stand-up comedian Patton Oswalt, and Dave Chappelle. And I want to talk about this because it's very, very important in just a second. But first, I want to talk to you about Paint Your Life. PaintYourLife.com is really just as cool as it sounds. You literally get to turn your favorite memories into art that lasts forever. This is how it works. You just submit a photograph. I'm talking a photograph of your most emotional life moment. And an artist paints it into a painting. It's such a meaningful gift. And when I first heard about this, I thought, wow, this is really cool. I mean, you could take your first date, you could take your wedding, you could take the birth of your child, you could take a sporting event, you could take anything and turn it into a painting on your wall. And of course, I'm very into this, but I figured this must be expensive because it's so cool. It's not actually. It's very affordable. And once you submit your photo, you get to approve the draft in case you don't like it. And then they ship it to you in as little as two weeks. It's really, really cool. You can actually even combine combine photos of people, combine places you love into one painting. Again, you receive your portrait in as little as two weeks. At paintyourlife.com, there's also no risk. If you don't love the final painting, your money is refunded, guaranteed. Right now, as a limited time offer, you can get 20% off your painting. That's right, 20% off and free shipping. To get this special offer, text the word Liz to 64,000. Liz to 64,000. L-I-Z to 64,000. It's really cool. Okay, so the headlines this week about Patton Oswalt and Dave Chappelle. Patton Oswalt being a stand-up comedian, probably not as famous as Dave Chappelle. They were both opening, or they were both performing in the same city, and Dave Chappelle reportedly invited Patton Oswalt, who was performing to a smaller audience, after his performance to come over and do a guest set uh, in Chappelle, in the venue that Chappelle was performing in. And Patton Oswalt said, yes, of course, they're friends. I guess they've been friends for 35 years. And after this happened, Patton Oswalt posted what I thought was a very touching, very heartfelt tribute to his friendship with Dave Chappelle, saying we've been friends for 35 years. It's been so wonderful to grow in this industry together. You know, Dave Chappelle is brilliant and he's made people think about things differently than the culture portrays them through his comedic act, which... If you know a stand-up comedian, you know that this is ultimately their goal, to make you laugh, but also to make you think. It was a sweet tribute, period. That's all there is to it. However, the Steelers of Joy entered the picture, and I'm talking the Steelers of Joy. I'm talking about the radical left, of course. The radical left, who cannot stand Dave Chappelle right now, despite the fact that um, Dave Chappelle is funny, 
despite the fact that his Netflix specials were wild hits. They cannot, the left cannot stand Dave Chappelle because in his last special, he said that there were only two genders, that genders are different. He went after the transgender ideology as being, like we just talked about with the University of Pennsylvania swim team, as being an assault on biological women. And he said that he's a feminist, he stands up for women, and so he was standing up against the, the absurdity, essentially, of the transgender ideology that a man can simply identify as being a woman and therefore that makes him a quote-unquote real woman. And so all of these woke leftists come after Patton Oswalt for posting this photo with Dave Chappelle. A couple days passes, and even though Patton Oswalt has been friends with Dave Chappelle for 35 years, that's older than me, longer than I have been alive on this earth, he posts an apology. Patton Oswalt publishes an apology for posting a picture of his lifelong friend. And this is what the apology said. This is on his Instagram. He posted a picture, by the way, it was a ridiculous picture of him sitting at what looked like a, in a dressing room at a makeup bench. Um, and he was writing on a legal pad. I don't know. I don't know if he was supposed to look like he was journaling or what. He was supposed to look pensive. It was a stupid picture. This is what he wrote. He said, I saw a friend I had not seen in a long time this New Year's Eve. We've known each other since we were teens. He's a fellow comedian, the funniest I've ever met. I wanted to post a pic and an Instagram story about it, so I did. The friend is Dave Chappelle. 34 years we've been friends. He's refocused and refined ideas a lot of us took as settled about race and history and life on planet Earth and spun them around with a phrase or punchline. We've done bad and good gigs, open mics and TV tapings, but we also, here comes the virtue signaling, we also 100% disagree about transgender rights and representation. I support trans people's rights, anyone's rights, to live safely in the world as their fullest selves. Now, let me interrupt myself here for just a second. He's misinterpreting what Dave Chappelle said. Dave Chappelle is not conservative, just obviously, but for everyone's edification. He's not conservative. He's not conservative at all. He has never said anything about wanting to deny transgender people equal rights under the law. Never, nothing, nada. All he said is there are two genders and you are not a woman if you are a biological male. You are not a woman if you are a man. That has nothing to do with legal rights. Of course, everybody is afforded to equality under the law. And Dave Chappelle has explicitly said that. He's not stupid. He articulated what he meant. But Pat Oswald, even though he's been friends with him for 34 years, misrepresents, deliberately misrepresents what Dave Chappelle's criticism of the transgender ideology is, misrepresented it in this Instagram post to virtue signal to these woke leftists coming after him. Oswald goes on, for all the things he's helped me evolve on, I'll always disagree with where he stands now on transgender issues, but I also don't believe a seeker like him is done evolving, learning. You know someone that long, see the struggles and changes, it's impossible to cut them off, impossible not to be hopeful and open and cheer them on. Also, I've been carrying a lot of guilt about friends I've cut off who had views with which I couldn't agree or changed in ways I couldn't live with. Sometimes I wonder, did I and others cutting them off make them dig their heels in deeper, fuel their ignorance with a nitro boost of resentment and spite? I, he said, I'm an LGBTQ ally. I'm a loyal friend. There's friction in those traits that I need to reconcile myself and not let feelings, not let or cause feelings of betrayal in anyone else. And I'm sorry, truly sorry, he said, that I didn't consider the hurt that this would cause or the depth of that hurt. I've been messaging a lot on Instagram today and the back and forth has really helped guide me in the writing of this. I naively deleted a lot of posts in the comment thread, critical ones from LGBTQ writers and shit posts by turf anti-trans looking for clicks and giggles. I wanted a nice comment thread about a pic with my friend, Ugh, so easy to think someone else needs growth and miss the need in yourself. Gonna keep trying. 
Okay, so first of all, he's caught between clout chasing, if you'll notice, because Dave Chappelle is so much more famous than he is, and virtue signaling with those who follow him on Instagram. And it's this, that's the actual conflict that he's facing here. He's not facing, facing a conflict between being a trans ally and being a loyal friend. He's facing a conflict between clout chasing and virtue signaling. That's his actual problem. So the other thing is if you listen to what he says, when I, when I read this, I thought, oh, wow, this is really pathetic. And it doesn't sound like he's a very good friend to Dave Chappelle. If he would apologize for a lifelong friendship publicly, just because some trolls online were bullying him, bullying him about it. But some of the other things that he said about cutting other people out of his life because they didn't agree with his ideology, I thought to myself, his belief system, his ideology resembles not really a political worldview so much as a religion, as a religion. And I thought to myself, what is it called when your ideological beliefs do not allow you to be friends with someone whose beliefs are different or, who's someone, or someone who isn't a part of your belief system? What is that called? It's called a cult. What is it called when your ideological beliefs require you to lie? What is it called when your ideological beliefs require you to lie about people that you love? Lie about people, lie about what the people that you love say and what they think and what they believe. What is that called? What is that ideology called? What is it called when your ideological belief teaches you lies? and then destroys objective truth, destroys reality, and prohibits questioning, skepticism, and dissent. What is that ideology called? That ideological structure that you're adhering to is called a cult. And it, it gets worse. What is it called when your ideological beliefs arbitrarily move the goalposts of the doctrine themselves, the doctrine itself, whenever it's politically or financially advantageous or convenient? That is called a cult. That ideological belief system is a religious view, and that religious view is a cult view. And I thought to myself, it's very sad. I have no idea what the internal conversations between Patton Oswalt and Dave Chappelle were or are or will be. I have no idea if they're still friends. I honestly don't really care. I don't know them. But I thought to myself, this actually perfectly exemplifies the transgender ideology, because the transgender ideology is not just tolerant and inclusive. It's not about equality under the law. The transgender ideology wants to force you to reject your beliefs, force you to reject reality, force you to reject science, and force you to comply. Not just force you to comply, force you to celebrate their ideology. And that is cultish. That is, that is a cult. And it's maybe even worse than that because the only, the, the transgender ideology teaches that the only way to happiness, to authenticity, to be who you were made to be is to subscribe to this cult. And I, I have a video that perfectly exemplifies this point and I wanna show it to you in just a second. But first I wanna talk to you about AMAC. This episode of The Liz Wheeler Show is sponsored by AMAC. Did you know that there's a conservative advocacy and benefits organization with more than 2 million members and counting? It's called AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens. AMAC has become one of the most impactful conservative organizations in America today. Joining AMAC gives you access to money-saving benefits, cutting-edge news, and a magazine full of insightful takes on today's most important issues. But most importantly, 
AMAC is working tirelessly to preserve the freedom secured by our Constitution. With a full-time presence on Capitol Hill, AMAC is pushing back against the efforts to defund our police, weaken our borders, and replace your freedom with government controls. So stand with me and over 2 million patriots by joining right now at amac.us forward slash Liz. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S forward slash Liz. The benefits are great, but the cause is greater. So join today at amac.us forward slash Liz. A-M-A-C dot U-S forward slash Liz. You'll be glad you did. Okay, so you, you know that the ideology that we're talking about here, the transgender ideology, but this, uh, this applies in a larger sense to other cult ideologies as well, but you know it's a cult ideology when the ideology tells you that the only way to happiness is by subscribing. And happiness is different, by the way, than fulfillment or salvation. So I don't want you to confuse just a, a religious belief with a cult belief. Because even the Christian religion or the Jewish religion, even the Muslim religion, the ultimate goal of those religions is not happiness here on earth. The ultimate goal of the Catholic religion, for example, I'm Catholic, so I'll speak to this, is salvation. It's furthering the kingdom of God here on earth. It's salvation, living with Christ in heaven forever. And so happiness on earth is actually almost arbitrary. It, it doesn't matter in the Catholic religion. What matters is keeping your eyes on heaven is finding salvation with Christ. And so the difference between a religion, a valid religion, and a cult is that a cult promises you happiness. They promise you if you just subscribe to their ideology that you will have true happiness right now. Right now, you will have true happiness. And they teach that happiness by subscribe, you will get that happiness by subscribing to their ideology regardless of the harm that that ideology causes other people outside of the cult. This is classic cult behavior, classic cult behavior. And so there was a video that I saw on Twitter today. It was uh, shared by Sarah Silverman and George Takai. And this video was from testimony that happened in the Missouri State House. The state of Missouri right now is considering a bill that would ban biological males from competing in women's sporting events. And this was testimony from a father whose child, whose son, was suffering from gender dysphoria and the parents for a long time did not allow their son to socially transition. I have no idea about medical transition, but did not allow their son to dress and act like a girl and identify as a girl. And then the parents suddenly changed their mind and did allow their son to identify as a girl and started calling their son their daughter. And this video testimony was shared by these leftists because these leftists are pushing this idea that it's that it's transphobic, that it's bigoted, that it it prevents the happiness of children, of transgender children, if these transgender, well, when I say transgender women, that's of course the left's version of saying a biological male who identifies as a woman to compete in women's sports. So first, take a look at this video. This language, if it becomes law, will have real effects on real people. For years, I didn't get it. For years, um, I would not let my daughter wear girl clothes. I did not let her play with girl toys. I forced my daughter to wear boy clothes and uh, get short haircuts, play on boy sports teams, especially at school. No confidence, no friends, no laughter. I, I, I honestly say this, I had a child who did not smile. We did that for years. We did that against the advice of teachers, therapists, and other experts. I remember the day everything changed for me. I'd gotten home from work and my daughter and her brother were in the front 
lawn. And uh, she had, my daughter had sneaked on one of her uh, older sister's play dresses. And they wanted to go across the street and play with the neighbor's kids. It was time for dinner. I said, come in. Uh, she asked, can she go across the street? I said, no. She, she asked me if she, if she went inside and put on boy clothes, could she then go across the street and play? And it, it's then that it hit me that my daughter was equating being good with being someone else. I was teaching her to deny who she is. As a parent, the one thing we cannot do, the one thing is silence our child's spirit. And so on that day, my wife and I stopped silencing our child's spirit. I now have a confident, a smiling, a happy daughter. She plays on a girls volleyball team. She has friendships. Let them have their childhoods. Let them be who they are. I ask you to vote against this legislation. So again, again, you'll notice that this father, this very misguided father, uses the word happiness, uses the word happiness. And this idea that little children, a seven-year-old or an eight-year-old knows what's best for him, that any child, any child who is not fully mature can tell their parents how best to raise them and what they need to be a functioning, healthy adult is ridiculous. That's why parents are parents and children are children, because children don't know what's best for them. Children would eat candy for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Children would never learn to read and write unless they were told. They would never learn right from wrong unless they're taught. Children need parents to guide them. Children do not have this, this, I don't even know how to describe this exactly, but the left pretends that children have this wisdom that is somehow greater than their parents, that children can open the eyes to their parent of their parents to the transgender ideology. And that's that's simply nonsense. So the reason, again, going back to what I was saying, the reason that you can tell that this is very cultish is because it he's promising his child happiness in the moment. And he's ignoring the harm that not only this bill, this piece of legislation would obviously cause to biological women everywhere, and it would cause a lot of harm. We see that in, at the University of Pennsylvania, their swim team, but also the harm that it would cause, that it's going to cause to his child. His child, indulging the delusion of this child is not going to lead this child to be happy. It's not going to lead this child to be cured of gender dysphoria. It's not going to lead this child to a life of fulfillment. In fact, what's most likely to happen is it's going to lead this child to depression. It's going to lead this child to not to be sterile, not to have any fertility because of the hormones and drugs that he will probably end up taking if his parents allow him to medically transition. It's going to mutilate his body, irreversibly mutilate his body at an age when his parents should be teaching him that he was made in God's image as a boy, that should be addressing his mental health problems, and that they should be telling him that his happiness is begot of who he was created to be by his creator, not by the standards that pop culture tells him. And so this, this, like I said, all, all this combination of things hit me today when I was thinking about the show. First, the University of Pennsylvania, their swim team, and how these women, these young women are suffering because the left has told us that they will bully us if we stand up for women. And if we say, wait a second, biological men aren't women and they can't be no matter how they identify, no matter what they're suffering from. And then to see Patton Oswalt apologize to ditch his lifelong friendship because some people in his Instagram comments told him that he was bigoted because Dave Chappelle said there's a difference between men and women, which is not only common sense, it's biological fact. And then on top of that, to see this video show up on my Twitter feed, I thought, my goodness, 
This is cult behavior. And if we start looking at the behavior from the radical left as it pertains to transgenderism, as the cult that it is, it'll be a lot easier to unravel it and a lot easier to open people's eyes to it because it is a scary thing. It is a scary thing to face the pylon, to face the radical left. It's a scary thing to think that you're going to be called hateful, to, that you're going to be called a bigot, that you're going to be called transphobic when none of it's true, but the radical left has built an apparatus to try to stifle your opinion, to re-educate your thoughts, to completely extinguish your belief system, and to cancel you if you dare to disagree with them. And so, again, going back to the beginning of the show, my message to the University of Pennsylvania women's swim team is you're facing an incredible opportunity. I almost feel envious of your opportunity, although I know it, it might come at a cost. You might be called to sacrifice. But all great things that are achieved, all great accomplishments come with sacrifice. There's really no achievement that's worth it, that means anything, that doesn't have sacrifice. And as swimmers, you know this more than perhaps any other, any other athlete in any other sport because swim training is the hardest out there. You know what it's like to feel beat down by a set and then to prevail and to push through that and to come out on top exhausted, battered, but you did it and it meant something and you achieved it. And so I encourage you, don't back down, boycott these events and we will, we the American people will have your back. But first I wanna to talk to you about ExpressVPN. Okay, so we all know how a VPN protects your privacy and your family's security online, right? But I learned recently that you can also use a VPN to unlock movies and shows that are ostensibly only available in other countries. This is how it works, it's so simple. You just fire up the ExpressVPN app, you change your location to any country, we'll use the UK as an example, you refresh your video streaming service, maybe Netflix, and that's all there is to it. See, ExpressVPN works by hiding your IP address and then letting you control where you want websites to think you're located. So you can choose from almost 100 different countries. Imagine, for example, all the Netflix libraries you can go through. And it works with other streaming services as well. Hulu, BBC iPlayer, YouTube, you name it. There are hundreds of VPNs out there for sure, but ExpressVPN, in my opinion, is the best because it is ridiculously fast. I don't like buffering, I don't like lag. And with ExpressVPN, you can stream in HD no problem. It's also compatible with all your devices, phones, media consoles, smart TVs, and more. So you can watch what you want on the go or on the big screen, wherever you are. If you visit my special link right now, it's expressvpn.com slash Liz, you can get an extra three months of ExpressVPN for free. So support the show, watch what you want, protect yourself and your family online at expressvpn.com slash Liz. All right, I wanna to turn to the locals VIP of the day today, the locals VIP of the day. The great and powerful Jay Hay is queuing up the board at any moment. This board, by the way, oh, has a mind of its own, but look at, here we go. Our locals VIP of the week is Padre Boston. Oh, Padre Boston. Padre Boston is a Catholic priest who lives in Boston, a very active member of the Liz Wheeler Show community on Locals, a delightful gentleman. Um, Padre, we're so happy that you're part of the Liz Wheeler Show community. We love your contributions. Thank you for st standing up for what's right. And you have a very unique position too. As a Catholic priest in Boston, you have a very unique position to reach a lot of people, touch a lot of people's hearts, and make sure that they know the reality that God has endowed. So. I'm glad that you're part of the community. Anybody else who wants to join the community, of course, join us at lizwheelershow.com slash locals. We have all kinds of fun stuff going on over there, including what's coming up next, which is an extended segment just for locals VIPs, an extended segment where we're gonna talk about things that 
big tech tells us we can't talk about. So we go to locals. We do this just ourselves on locals out of the reach of the big tech overlords. And there's some crazy, crazy stuff that's happening in regards to political policy about COVID today. And let's start with if you want to see the rest of this segment, hear everything that we're going to talk about, head on over to Locals, the Liz Wheeler Show community at lizwheelershow.com slash locals. See you there. That's all the time I have for today. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. I'm Liz Wheeler. This is the Liz Wheeler Show. The Liz Wheeler Show is produced by Jonathan Hay. Executive producer, Chad Abbott. Director of photography, Kevin McRoberts. Editor, Alejandro Figuerilla. Sound mixer, Robin Fenderson. Director of Marketing, Emily Washler. Production and Talent Coordinator, Matt Toffler. And Senior Publicist, Patricia Jackson. This has been a Soundfront production.